Blog Talk Radio. July afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Desperate House Witches. I'm Dorian Wallace. I'm Raina Starr. How y'all doing? All right, <laughs> let's get into the disclaimer because we've got an amazing guest today. Um, Desperate House Witches is not a G, PG, or even an R-rated show. So if bad language, bodily functions, dirty talk might offend you, this may not be the show for you. But I'm going to tell you, you're probably going to want to stick around. Anyway, Desperate House Witches is brought to you by the one, the only, the incredible one herself, Darcy Morrison, www.wickedwitchstudios for all of your fine witching goods. And if you need that stuff shipped overseas, check out www.theangrycauldron.com. All right, you know what? I, I'm, I'm not even going to mess about. This is Joe Graham. The book is The Great Wheel. Living the Pagan Cycles of Our Lives and Times. I am telling you, this book destroyed me. It's still destroying me. I love it. Joe Graham, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it so much. Okay, so let's let's just dive right the hell into this thing. Okay, so I've been hearing about Tower Times for six years now. It It really started coming to... Before, I've heard a lot of people talk about it, a lot of instructors, a lot of our pagan folks have been talking about, you know, this big crash that's coming and how the world's going to change and, and all of that. However, this book, The the Great Wheel, and i got to tell you, folks, I'm highly recommending this book for everybody because it's really good. Um, this addresses it really more succinctly. And I want folks to remember when a book is published, it's not written that year. Sometimes it's written three, four, five years in advance. And just because it's being published right now does not mean that this information was just written. As a matter of fact, uh, what we're going through as a nation right now is clearly addressed by year in this book <laughs> that was written pretty much three years ago. So, Joe, please, start. Let, let's get into it. Tell people what The Great Wheel is about. The Great Wheel is about how the ancient Etruscan pagan concept of the saculum, of the Great Wheel of Life, is playing out today, and how the crisis that we're experiencing today is a natural part of that cycle. So let's talk about what that cycle is. The, yeah. the Etruscans and Romans believed that there was a bigger wheel than the wheel of the year. We're all familiar with what the wheel of the year is, I think. But that there sure. was a wheel the length of a human life, about 80 years, which, you know, it has remained pretty much a normal, long-time human life. 
People were living to be mm-hmm. 80 years old in the ancient world, and 78 is the average life expectancy in the U.S. today. So that, and that the 20-year sections of this correspond to the four seasons of the wheel of the year. And mm-hmm. so we are born in a particular season, and then we experience, if we live to be an old person, all four seasons in order. So if we're born in the spring, we experience spring as a child and a young person, summer as a young adult, autumn in maturity, and winter in old age. But if mm-hmm. we're born at a different point, if, like, let's say you were born in 1982. If you were born in 1982, you were born at the beginning of autumn. And so you experience autumn as a child, and then winter, Mm -hmm. our current season, as a young adult. And you Mm -hmm. will experience spring in maturity, and old age, you will experience summer. So um, this saculum, this great wheel, is still turning, and different things happen in different seasons, just as they do in the natural world in the wheel of the year. Mhm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> I'm just like listening to you and going, "Oh, she's amazing." Okay. Uh, stop fangirling, Raina. Behave. Okay. So let's talk about let's 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 before we get into like what I consider this is like the point. Let's talk about the octaves and and what the octaves represent because you've got you've got life broken down into these these age groups and I will tell you I'm being in the fifth octave right now and well before I get into that let's talk about the octaves so can you tell folks what the octaves are sure Um, again going back to Roman paganism they saw life as having four seasons, that everyone, the life is a wheel too. And mm-hmm. there is youth, and that corresponds to spring, maturity, mm-hmm. which corresponds to summer, middle age, which corresponds to autumn, and winter, which corresponds to old age. And then we go around again. We die, mm-hmm. and then we begin again in the spring. We, and so the four quadrants of the Roman wheel of life, what I did in this book is say the only problem with applying this is that these quadrants are very big. And if we look at, you know, birth to age 20 is quadrant number one, spring. Well, mm-hmm. a two-year-old and a high school senior who are 18 are not doing anything like the same developmental thing, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> the, the right. They're not having the same experiences. And so what we need to I do to not. make this break down better is put the cross quarters yeah. in, oh. yep. right? Because yep. that when you look at the wheel, right, if you've just got the basic spring, summer, autumn, winter – Put the cross quarters in. Then you put the cross quarters in, and you have seasons that are about 13 years long to go all the way around. Mm -hmm. And so each octave is one of those sections, like 
spring to Beltane, llamas to autumn mm-hmm. equinox, autumn equinox to Samhain, <laughs> right? These are octaves. These are our slices of the pie of the wheel of the year. And I think pretty much probably everybody can visualize that, right? Um, yeah. Without yeah. all the diagrams in the book. Right. <laughs> But I like where you – I mean, but but more than that for me is it's more of a guide on you should – not should necessarily, but this is part of where you could kind of expect yourself to be. And reading through them and, you know, because you identify them obviously differently, childhood, youth, responsibility, accomplishment, power, wisdom, death, and the need to be – and I don't want to give, I mean, I want people to read this book, so I'm not going to go into it too much um, in depth because <laughs> I want them to read the book. So, you know, I'm just going to address the stuff that I know something about right now, which is being in the power position and looking at my accomplishments up until this point because one goes into the next. Because the only way you can actually get any power is if you've actually accomplished something, whatever that is. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm reading these definitions and I'm looking at these exercises and I'm thinking, wow, she's really hit this. I'm fascinated. <laughs> can you explain how you came to, um, especially like the fifth octave being power? I think um, that is also my octave. I I think like a lot of women my age, we were raised to be afraid of power and to Mm -hmm. see power in itself as something toxic, right? No one can be in charge. We have to all have consensus. Everyone has to be equal. No one can run something. No one can control Mm -hmm. something. No one has authority. We're afraid of authority. But... Mm -hmm. The truth is that in order to accomplish things, somebody has to be in charge. It's like, you know, you're going to put on a festival. You're going to put on a festival. You can't have every attendee reach consensus on everything, right? Right. Somebody's got to to run things. Somebody's got to be the chair of the committee. Somebody has to be empowered to deal with caterers or whatever. I mean, and so – you know, in midlife, and we've accomplished something in our lives, we have power. Whether that mm-hmm. we're the person who owns the bookstore, we're the person who is the parent, we're the person who mm-hmm. is the ball. We're not in a subordinate position or often in an equal position. You know, I have two mm-hmm. teenage daughters, and I have power that they don't have. Right. And that's because yeah. of my age and my accomplishment and because I'm their mother. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, I can say, no, you cannot use the car to go meet somebody you just met three cities away during a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know um, but, but with that power comes the responsibility for the outcome. If you're the chair of sure. the committee and you blow it, there's 
real consequences to that, not just for your own life, but for everyone else. Yeah. Sure. That's, yeah. I mean, especially because, you know, in the octave to above responsibility, to me that really speaks of, you know, the blossoming of parenthood and, you know, fleshing out what your career is going to be, what position do you want to be in, you know, how much control over things do you want or need at any given point, is it more important to have power in one position than another. I mean, and they all flow, all of these things flow into each other so beautifully the way you break them down. And you also put these amazing, you know, stories of examples, you know, to consider. And as I admitted to you privately, um, some of these made me cry. Uh, so it is going to be somewhat emotional in a good way, in a flushing out of things way. And I really appreciated that because I don't get a lot of, of things translated that way. Um, so I found the way you've written this is really beautiful. Thank you so much. The, the oh, reason I told this, these octaves of and our wheel of life through stories was because I feel like this is something that a lot of people, that most of uh, people in the pagan community already know. They just don't haven't quite put the pieces together. And Mm. so Mm -hmm. by telling a story about people, you go, Oh my gosh, that is just like my coworker, Sandra, or, you know, Mm -hmm. it makes me cry because this sounds like my father. Mm -hmm. yeah, and so, you know, you already know it. It's just helping people to put the pieces together a little bit. I don't know if it's about people really. I mean, I think subconsciously we all know it and we all know people like this or we're able to relate to these things. But I think especially now with the pandemic and, you know, other things are taking so much precedent, so many fears and concerns about the future and, you know, what is the world going to look like if you've lost a job? What is your life going to look like? Your home going to look like? There's so many things, uh, you know, that are happening right now that can distract, you know, pagan folks from recognizing that, you know, we're going to be okay or, you know, it looks dark right now, but things are constantly in a in a wheel formation and they're constantly evolving and turning. And I think, you know, in the day-to-day you forget about that. I mean, everybody who's, you know, practicing something, they know what their path is for the most part or they're searching for it. But, you know, when you're just trying to figure out how the bills are going to get paid, sometimes that gets lost, especially right now. We've got a lot of distractions. There's an election coming. You know, the pandemic was starting to lower. Now it's starting to raise again. It's, I mean, it's just mind-blowing, you know. So you break all of this down beautifully, which is fantastic. Um, And then we, you know, and then the book starts talking about, you know, when, when, when you're specifically born. And, you know, if you read the parts about the years, you know, that pertain to you, 
wow, you're accurate. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, she's got it. Okay, that's fine. I, you know, I'm feeling red to shit. What can I tell you? Um, but it's, it's just great the way you've done it. <laughs> Do you want to talk well, about that? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, the season that you're born in defines how you experience the saculum. For example, mm-hmm. if you were springborn, if you're a baby boomer, you mm-hmm. came of age and grew up and came of age in a very stable time, relatively speaking, when things were safer, when most people were more prosperous, when it seemed like mm-hmm. things were getting better. And that's not yeah. to say yeah. that things were perfect by any means, but there was a, the sense right. that progress was being made. And that even yep. people who had long been disenfranchised or who had long been ill-treated, that things were getting better for them. And that, yep. you know, what we had to do was just keep going. And mm-hmm. that's a very different experience than if you were born in the 1980s, for example, and you grew up with the sense that everything was getting worse. The world was yep. darkening. Mm-hmm. Everything was getting more dangerous, and everything was more perilous. And it literally was. But yeah. this is because in spring, right, in spring things are growing and expanding, and the days are getting longer. In autumn, yeah. things are contracting. They are dying. The days are getting darker. And, yeah. you know... It's a natural response to the season of the saculum to have a completely different viewpoint based on what season you were born in. Hmm. Yeah, you know, it's, interesting. it's true because when I think about when I was born, you know, the summer of love was ha- about to happen and, you know, Vietnam was still going on and, you know, when when Vietnam ended, we thought, okay, you know, things are getting better, government may be getting a little more honest. And, <laughs> you know, I remember Nixon flying away, bye, you know. <laughs> like the president, he left, the president just flew away on an airplane or a helicopter and just ran away, you know. And I thought, wow, things things are looking up, you know, and I guess depending on when you're born, it does make a huge difference because even though I know, you know, my kids were born in, in 90 and 92, so for them, it's it's always been a certain way and it doesn't look like it's getting better. It does perpetually look like it's worse and it's weird because I hadn't thought about that. See, to me, it could get better because it's been worse and it's been better. So I've got the experience of both ends of that. So my perspective is, oh, things are, you know, things could start looking up again sooner than later. And my kids are like, everything is shit, Mom. What do you mean? (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's why Gen X, we are the bridge generation here with, the power and the responsibility because we we are standing right now at Imbolc on the great wheel of the, yeah. on the saculum and we have experienced mm-hmm. 
summer and autumn. And we are now experiencing winter, but we can use our experience to say, you know what comes after in bulk? What comes after in bulk is spring. Spring. Yep. Right now, it's dark and it's cold and there is snow and the weather is terrible and there are these gray days that feel endless. But we know from our experience that in a few weeks, in a couple of months, there will be daffodils and pear blossoms and blue skies and the world will be different. Yeah. And we live this every year. Yeah, it's true. It's so true. And that but you know and that doesn't mean that winter isn't dangerous. Right. It it doesn't mean that winter isn't dangerous. You know, if you Mm -hmm. I don't know where you are in the you're you're in Atlanta, right? Um or somewhere in the south. I'm in the south. Charlotte. Charlotte. Uh, I'm in North Carolina. Okay. North Carolina weather here. Um, Yeah. I mean, if you know that there is a winter storm coming in, it's Uh stupid not to prepare for it. It's stupid to just go drive on an icy road and just say, la, 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 la. But at the same time. (laughs) Hey, some people do. (laughs) Yeah, some people do. Um, Some people do. But, you know, we know that. We need to take that seriously. We need to prepare for it. We need to plan what happens if we have an ice storm and we lose power. But at the same time, we don't need to panic. We know that the sun is not going to disappear and never return. We know that spring will come in its season. Right. Eventually. (laughs) Although, so that what we're going through now. I'm sorry. So what we're going through now on the Great Wheel is we are at Imbolc. We are deep in winter, and Mm -hmm. we need to take that seriously. But we also need to not say, well, everything's terrible, and it's always going to be terrible, and this is just the new normal. Everything's terrible. We are having a winter storm. Yeah. And how the storm it is. I'm just saying. Yes. I mean, yeah. Because I guess perception is everything, and when you think you've experienced the worst that something can be, the universe likes to say, <laughs> just wait. <laughs> and um, yep. that seems to kind of be where we're at now. I, I, I'm, okay, so to me, the biggest thing about this book that made me pretty much stop in my tracks was chapter nine. And chapter nine is a season of crisis. Yes. <laughs> what a surprise. So, and you break it down. I mean, here's the fascinating part. Remember earlier, folks, when I said this book wasn't written this year? So she's got... From 2016 through 2018, 2020 to 2024, 2025 to 2027, 2027 to 2030 in that area. And it, boy, I mean, yeah, is this all based on previous patterns? Yes. (laughs) In a short word, yes. Because okay. the okay. cycle repeats every. <laughs> I... Go ahead. Not. 
Oh, no, I was laughing because you, the way you said yes was like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. It, it, it's every 80 years. So 2020, let's go back 80 yep. years. What was happening 80 years okay. ago? 80 years ago was 1940. Uh-huh. We were Coming just the Great out Depression. and about to enter World War II. We thought that yep. maybe the worst was past and we were coming out of the Great Depression, but the war had already started in Europe, and it was a matter of time until we were in a world war. That's yep. where we were 80 years ago. Okay, let's go 80 years back from that. 1860, ah. the Civil War begins. Wow. Okay. Let's go back 80 years right. from that. Okay. Yeah. Eight, so it- 80 years from that, let's go back 84 years, because seasons are not precise. 84 years, 1776, the American Revolution. Hmm. Um, So, go back 80 years before that, and we're to the Salem Witch Trials. How about that? Wow. It's crazy. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> yes, but it's also this is the pattern of the seasons. And to say it's yeah. going to snow at Imbolc, I mean, if it snows at Imbolc, that is not a shocker. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. You know, right. we can, we don't know if it's going to show, snow on January 31st or February 1st, or maybe it's going to be February 3rd, but. None of us are going to be surprised if it snows at Imbolc or around Imbolc, yeah. right? right? We would be surprised right. if it snowed right. in September in North Carolina. But I would be surprised. Not... True. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, to predict based on a general pattern, we expect that around Imbolc is the coldest and snowiest time of the year. We expect mm-hmm. that as we get closer to spring equinox, that the weather will improve. We expect, yeah. and you know, we can make rational predictions based on our experience of previous years. Now, yeah. the thing about the saculum is because it's 80 years long, most people have never experienced the season they're in before. Only people who are very old have been in this season before. A couple wow. of years ago, my mom, who is 94, we were watching CNN, and they were park, the Parkland kids were being amazingly articulate and brilliant on yeah. TV. And my mom was then yeah. 92. And I said, wow, mm-hmm. I have never heard kids sound like this. And my mom said, I have. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, this is what the kids sounded like who were seniors in high school when I was a freshman. This is what the tail end of the greatest generation sounded like to her. The kids who were born 1922, 23, 24, that's what they sounded like to her, born in 1926. Isn't that something? That's so amazing to me. I just have to live it long is. enough to, like, see it. 
you know. This is this is great this is a great reason for wanting to ride this life out no matter what bad shit is going on. <laughs> Don't you wanna have it come back around and see the results of your time here? I think that's amazing. I think it's fascinating. I think it's amazing too. And you know, that's one of the exercises toward the end of the book is talking about, you know, if you were 90 years old, what would you say to a young person about the season that they are now in? If it's come all the way around to the same season that you were in when you were 10, mm-hmm. what would that look like? What would you say to a young person then about what their life is going to look like? Don't worry, it gets that is probably yeah. what I would say. Because at some point it does. I mean, if we're, if we're alive long enough for that to happen, where the 80 years has a chance to come back around, um, you know, we will have witnessed some of the most monumental breakthroughs in law, in medicine, I hope still, um, yeah. in politics, in in how we live. I mean, so much has already, you know, people forget that, you know, do you remember, you, you, you're you a sci-fi person, Joe. You remember, like, Star Trek, you know, when you were a little girl and, you know, they would, they would have a transporter and a tricoder and a communicator, which we now call a cell phone. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like all of those things came from an idea, and now a lot of these things are actually being used. There are scanners that that doctors use to see what's going mm-hmm. on in the body now. So it's it's amazing yeah. to me in such a short time because when you think about it, it's a pretty darn short time from one to the next. You know, there I remember a time before there were you know CDs and DVDs, and I remember before we all had computers in our homes and cell phones and, and, you know, the ability to just be connected at all times. Now, I will not say that it's all been perfect. It's had drawbacks, of course. Like all great steps forward, you have to take one or two back. Um, but, yeah, and it doesn't take long. If you, if you look over your entire life, you can see all of these ebbs and flows the way you've described them in this book. And I think, you know, knowing where you are on this journey, on this wheel, uh, you know, on the saculum is very important and can be a, a bit of a guide. You know, maybe it will give somebody some encouragement if they're not where they think they ought to be, you know, through this, through what you've written, I can see where it could it could be encouraging to somebody, you know, because of where things are right now, where you are in your age right now, where you are on the wheel right now. I think it's all really important and, and very much connected. Well, I'm glad you, that that comes across, and I certainly mean for it to be encouraging because we have been through this before, and other generations have been through this before, and we will all come out the other side as they did, um, you know, and it does take a very short time. I remember watching a space shuttle launch with my granny, 
And she said, mm-hmm. you know, I was three years old when the Wright brothers flew. Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Yeah. From the, when oh. she was born, there was no such thing as an airplane. Yeah. And she lived as an old woman to watch the space shuttle launch. Wow. That's amazing. And all of the changes in that time. Every mm-hmm. every bit of, you know, the last saculum was her saculum. And this saculum is, is our saculum. But we are not without a pattern. We are not without a map. It's just that we haven't personally experienced this part of the saculum before because it's such a long cycle. Yeah. But how insightful that you were able to bring us this information because I don't, I, you know, as I said, you know, and I mentioned this earlier, you know, I've heard about tower times for a number of years and how things, you know, are at a point where systems break down, things go away, um, but I've not seen the precision or the in-depthness or, um, you know, such a beautiful way of putting it together so that it's understandable and and encouraging. A lot of the stuff I hear is very, you know, dark, depressing, you know, we're in for a war, we're in for a battle, you know, but we're in it right now, you know. I mean, things are, are still coming to that head that you mentioned, and but things are going to also get better. And that's a lot of what I find missing in pagan writing is the encouraging side of it on the other side. Do you know what I mean? It's like I hear a lot about mm-hmm. the human globe. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be scary. Yeah. It's going to be dangerous. And you don't deny any of that. But what you say is it's all been done before. Don't freak. It's okay. It's yeah, going to yeah. be hard. You know, like reality. <laughs> you know, yeah. But it's going to come back around. And I think the encouragement and the the positive um, that we can expect after these crazy storms blow over is what people really need to hear, especially now. Because let's face it, I have not personally lived through anything like this. I'm sure in other countries, in other places, some people have and some people do on a continuous basis, you know. A lot of the, the poor countries where, you know, if somebody gets sick, it's basically a death sentence for the entire tribe, you know. I mean, so that's their version of this, you know. And in, in industrialized nations, we're going through something that is not that unusual. And I like that you say that. No. And this, you know, I know doom and gloom, but this is the beginning, not the end. We are not at the end of the problem. We are at the beginning of the problem. This is 1940 or 1860, not the end. We are looking at, this is the first storm. We are looking at worse storms. And, for example, um, if you follow the work of the astrologer Ivo Dominguez, he recently did a blog post talking about the next five years and very specific predictions for dangerous dates and dates that where things were, were going to come to a head and basically saying, you know, 
this is a five-year period where we're going to go through three phases of Mm -hmm. disillusion and then rebuilding. And he was saying the same thing in the language of astrology rather than in the language of sociology. But it comes down to the same thing. So we're going to hit the wall at the end of this year. November, December, January, we are going to hit a wall hard. You know, mm-hmm. that is, we can see that. We know the storm is coming. We're looking at the weather radar. We can yeah. see it's coming. And so, mm-hmm. yes, we have to prepare for it. And maybe that seems like doom and gloom, but you know, preparing for a storm is how you responsibly prepare to survive the storm. The other right. thing is that this is a moment of opportunity. Once every 80 years, the world changes. And the way it changes is it changes to the vision of the person who wins and who sells their vision. Hmm. Let's take, for example, um, two of the big issues. Should women have the vote and prohibition? Should people be allowed to buy alcohol? Both of those were enormous issues through the whole curriculum, and every political party had, you know, major things. There were enormous nonprofits pushing one view or the other on all of these issues. Organizations were founded and died. Every politician had to have run on one of the platforms. I mean, these were huge. This was like talking about abortion and gay rights, right? Yeah. Yep. After 1945, these issues disappeared completely from the public discourse. They were resolved. And the reason they were resolved was because the civic generation, the GI generation, the greatest generation, came of age... And they knew what they thought on these issues. And once they had a voting plurality, what they decided was it for the next 50 years. And so, you know, GI generation said, you know, women should be able to vote. That's a no-brainer. Can you imagine any GI generation president from John F. Kennedy to George H.W. Bush saying, let's take the vote away from women? No. Hell no. <laughs> no. Let's 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 go back to prohibition in 1980. Can you imagine Ronald Reagan saying that in 1980? Let's go back to prohibition. I mean, it would be ridiculous. The GI yeah. generation was completely knew completely what they thought on those issues, and once they were all of age and could vote, that was it. And by the time they left the public scene, it had been so long that those issues were completely off the table. So if we want to know what the future is going to look like, if we want to see what the resolutions may be, look at issues that millennials have a consensus on. For example, millennials have a very strong consensus on LGBT plus rights. Those, those issues are going to be resolved, and they're going to seem as antique in 30 years as the idea that women shouldn't vote. Mm-hmm. Another, another know, issue that they I'm have... Sorry. Go ahead. 
Go ahead. Well, I was I was going to say, you know, a lot of because we were just having this conversation the other day about established law and uh, you know the fact that John Roberts, the current Supreme Court, the head of the Supreme Court, uh, Chief Justice John Roberts. Um, we were discussing the Louisiana decision about uh, the legality of requiring administrative practices to be the determining factor if you could operate an abortion clinic. There are also certain um, stipulations. Did you have a hall uh, wide enough uh, for ambulatory services, which means can you fit a hospital bed through the hallway of your clinic? I mean, there were some really ridiculous things, and what they were trying to do basically was shut down the ability to get an abortion in Louisiana for folks who may not have heard that. Anyway, so John Roberts, it looks like he is, uh, it's not because he's becoming a liberal, it's not because he's suddenly moving to the center, but he is a respecter of laws, which I think is the point of what you're saying in established law. And so that puts me in mind of the fact that, you know, an established law, hopefully people don't want to mess with that too terribly much. And if the law is set what we consider to be in stone, that maybe that's one thing that we won't lose going forward, no matter how hard someone is trying to take it away from us. What are your thoughts? Well, I think, again, you know, the real thing to look at is the polling of the millennials. Um, yeah. Because how that demographic, that demographic is going to be, become in 2020 the largest voting block, and they will probably remain the largest voting block for the next 40 years. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so what they support, what they're split on, what they're split on may continue to be contentious. What they're in agreement on will become settled. And yeah. so, you know, on each issue, look at where the millennials are. Um, for another example is millennials are very concerned about climate change. And they yeah. are very yeah. much more likely to support policies that help with the climate crisis, even if they cost money, even if they're not good for industry, whatever. Millennials are very supportive of those issues. And so what laws are they going to make? They're going to make laws that address climate change. Yeah. It's going right. to be, you know, this is going to be a big issue for them, and it's going to be a big issue going forward. And anyone who wants the support of this enormous voting bloc is going to have to address those issues to their satisfaction. Yeah, right. that and Medicare for all. Yeah, universal health care. I, I think they're coming to a consensus around universal health care, too. Um, yeah. I think uh, this pandemic is pushing them toward a consensus around debt and student loans. Yeah, um, we'll we'll see how that plays out. I think they are. This pandemic is generating more support yeah. among them for government intervention for government in general. Intervention. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. 
Now, you know, again, that's a double-edged sword because how much do we want intervention? At what, and yeah. <laughs> the problem with civic generations like the millennials and the GI generation before them and mm-hmm. on that is that they tend to midlife hubris. We've accomplished so much. We've defeated this, this problem. We've dealt with these other problems. We can solve every problem through science, and people need to conform to an ideal. And so the double-edged sword is starting to take that conformity too far. Yeah. And so what we saw last cycle, GIs defeated fascism and they won the war and they were Captain America and Steve Rogers and they led the way into a brave new century and said, with John F. Kennedy, let's put a man on the moon and all the rest of it. But they also gave us McCarthyism and 1950s conformity. Yep. <laughs> true. So true. So, and I worry, you know, you know even hearing stories right now about the pandemic and how, you know, when when places are getting too overrun with patients, that they are having to make decisions on the spot sometimes of who gets to get treatment and who doesn't. And that just reminds me of, you know, these stories about basically playing God. So, you know, of course people are going to want to save younger folks, and I understand that, but it scares me. It does. So I yep. get your double-edged sword part, and it's when there's only so much to go around of certain things, as an older person, yeah, I am concerned about it. So, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, as <laughs> as pagans or as I'm, I'm by as an out person, um, you know, I, am I worry yep. about if we get another round of conformity, whose individuality will it restrict? Right. Probably not mine. Probably not mine. (laughs) I'm in a demographic that they like. But Mm -hmm. do I want someone else to have their freedoms abridged? Do I want someone else? Do I want to live in a world where cancel culture and wrong Thought. I mean, how far is it from cancel culture and wrong thought to McCarthyism? Mm. And, you know, the thing that we don't forget, that we forget, the Un-American Activities Committee, McCarthyism, you know, arresting people and ruining their lives for being communists, making them unemployable, blacklisting, all of that. The reason it started was because a congressman, a Democratic congressman, with every yep. good intention, was incensed by an article by a fascist writer named William Dudley Pell, mm-hmm. who wrote an article saying that the Jews of Baltimore should be locked up in a Baltimore ghetto like the Warsaw ghetto. Whoa. Now, this is horrible. This is horrible. This is mm-hmm. a fascist writer in a right-wing paper. Yep. So... This congressman said, what we need to do is have a congressional investigation, an un-American activities committee, so that we can arrest and prosecute and take away the livelihood of people who are doing these things, who are saying these terrible things. Mm-hmm. 
And 10 years later, this was being used to blacklist gay actors, yeah, screenwriters yeah. who complained about socioeconomic injustice. This yep. was what gave us McCarthyism, was once there was this power to to control what people think and say, it went way too far in a very few years. And yeah, so yeah. That's not to minimize the reason, because Telly was a horrible, horrible man, and the things he suggested were terrible, incredibly awful. I can't, you know, express that enough. But right. The results of it were not what the original author of this intended. Mm-hmm. There are consequences in that's in everything. Yeah. If you try to limit yeah. speech, your your speech will be limited. You have to think about what you would want. You have well, first of all, people thinking things out to their logical conclusion often doesn't happen because people are very reactionary, especially now, especially during a crisis. Yeah. And it's difficult to get folks to realize that while you may have freedom of speech, they do not understand that freedom of speech merely means, for the most part, you won't go to jail for what you believe. But it doesn't mean you're free of consequence. So I would encourage folks to think about this before they make blanket statements and online diatribes um, that they can't back up to their logical conclusion. Because it happens a lot. It does happen. Yeah, it does. And, you know, one thing I tell my girls is what you say is forever. Yep. And somebody is going to take what you said out of context when you were 19 years old and destroy your life with it if you're not careful. Right. Because if because if that is the direction that we go, gotcha culture where you know somebody said once said something and misspoke or said something or wore the wrong thing or whatever, you know. Yep. We're we're playing gotcha right now, and that yeah. part is going to get worse over the next ten years because it's the millennials and the homelanders under it who are playing gotcha. And yeah, yeah. Now, you know, the news of that is that. No, you go ahead and finish your thought, and then I'll speak. Uh, When you know, the good news about that is that's a spring problem. The conformity, the conformity of thought, that's a spring problem. And what happens in summer is a new generation bust loose. We're going to break down the barriers. We're going to break the taboos. We're going to burn our bras and dance in the street. Mm-hmm. And so whatever conformity this comes out to, yeah. in the 2040s, we're going to have a backlash against it. So, you know, that's another thing to bear in mind is we, Gen X women, we are going to be those dirty, forbidden old ladies <laughs> in the 2040s. Awesome. <laughs> You're funny. I look forward to it. That's hilarious. 
So I've always been told I'm a boomer because I was born in 61. So I think I'm a little bit uh, further down the road than y'all. Yeah, I was 73. There's, there's different, um, you know, the different sociologists look at the boundaries in different places. I've heard boomers from, you know, some say it starts in 60, some say it starts in 61, some say it starts in 63. You know, there's sort of a gray area in there. Yeah. Um, so, oh, you know, okay. I I went with the Strauss and Howe model, and I didn't get into in this book, you know, well, you know, Strauss and Howe say this, but another sociologist puts the dates in another location, because that's just, that's inside baseball for sociology geeks. That's not really, you know. <laughs> no, but it's cool because I got to turn around and say, stop calling me boomer. <laughs> I was like, I'm part of Gen X too. Because yeah. I have a husband who, who was born in 58, and I'm like, you're the boomer, not me. So <laughs> There is a difference. I mean, there really is a difference. I can... I was born in 68, and my brother-in-law was born in 58, and boy, is there a difference. Yep. Um, yes. You know, that is yes. a completely different, oh my God, completely so different mindset. Please explain to me, and I know we're running low on time, but please give me your thoughts on, because this has always bothered me. So guys who used to be, Flower power, peace and love, driving the BW bus, you know what I'm talking about. And then they turned and made such a hard right that it's like they're not the same person. What yeah. happened? Well, I think, first of all, there's sort of the idea that all of the baby boomer men were hippies. And actually, no. <laughs> this the, the, right. the 1960s, it's not really a war of the baby boomers against their fathers. It's a war of the baby boomers against their brothers. Huh. That the baby boomer generation split into, you know, over Vietnam and over other issues, but mainly over Vietnam. Did you go or did you protest it? Yeah, Did you that's support? true. And that's where, if you look at, you know, the current baby boomer male leaders and, and female leaders, too, which hmm. side were you on in 1970? Because I don't think most people have actually changed sides since 1970. They were already... Either the young National Guardsman or the protester facing yeah. them. And hmm, you know, I go in winter. I go more deeply into fratricide. One of our oldest stories: Osiris and Seth, Cain and Abel, the War of the yeah. Brothers, and how that plays out in our society. Yes, that's, that's another show. So don't be getting too yeah, much of that away right now. <laughs> I gotta get this book. We're about to rebook for that book. So uh yeah, let's uh leave that one to the next time because I'm telling you, this, I I can't recommend this book enough. Joe uh, fascinating, fascinating stuff. 
you know, for those who are not familiar with Joe Graham's work, I encourage you to look her up and look up her plethora of work. I mean, there, you crank it out. It's amazing. 25 <laughs> books and video games, and I, I'm just blown away by, you know, your work and you and your brain and uh, kind of got a crush. Sorry. But... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, girl crush. It happens. But um, we have only we have only a couple of minutes left, and I mean that literally. So please let folks know where they can get the Great Wheel, when they can get winter, and uh, and then I will hit you up for the next appointment, as it were. So please let us know uh, that information. Where can where can they get uh, the Great Wheel, and when can they expect winter? Um, the Great Wheel is available from Llewellyn, and it's available at many fine independent bookstores. It's available at Barnes & Noble and other chain bookstores, um, and it is certainly available online through Llewellyn's website or through Amazon or Barnes & Noble online or basically pretty much everywhere because pretty much everywhere <laughs> carries Llewellyn. Um, so it right. is available widely. Winter is already out, actually. It came out last month. Oh. Um, uh, yeah, okay. it, is, it is already out and is available in all the same outlets. Um, you know, run to Amazon, or if you don't Amazon, run to your independent bookstore and ask them to order a whole bunch of copies. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, any, anywhere you're looking for. So are you working Wonderful. on something else now? Um, I'm working on several things. My uh, pagan book that I'm currently working on is about uh, goddesses of the Hellenistic world. And it's about nice. seven syncretic goddesses that uh, welcome worshipers of all backgrounds because they are um, urban goddesses of an interconnected society. Oh, nice. Very interesting. Uh, and we hope we can have you come back for that as well. But at the moment, we are down to like 90 seconds, just about. So I am going to say, everybody, seriously, you have got to get the great wheel. Uh, the amazing Joe Graham is going to be back on reasonably soon to talk about Winter, her other amazing book. Please go get this. It is it's informative. It'll make you cry. Maybe it'll make you feel better. Definitely. It's, it's a guide. It will help you if you're struggling. I can't recommend it enough. Joe Graham, thank you so much for being on with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. You are All right. Awesome. We will talk to you very soon. All right, sis, we are out of here. All right, y'all have a safe weekend. Um, if you if you have to go outside, please wear your mask. Please, please, please yes, wear your please. mask. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. Don't be an asshole. Yes. Um, we are back next Friday with Chris Oropella and Tara Love McGuire. We are pretty excited. See you on Friday. All right. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>